0: It's time for the Chip Race!
1: Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Chip Race, now powered by Unibet Poker. I'm your host David Lappin, alongside Darrow Kearney. And in tonight's show we've got news and more from last week's UK Tour Brighton Festival. We'll be sitting down with Unibet Ambassador Ian Simpson and former UKIPT Brighton Champion Jamie Burland. Darrow will be dishing out some of the secrets to endgame satellite play. But first... <laughs> The Irish Open is just around the corner and like last year, it's being held in the City West Hotel in conjunction with the Norwegian Poker Championships. Earlier today, I managed to grab the reigning champion, Dan Wilson, for a quick chat. The Irish Open is the longest running, no limit holding poker tournament in Europe and second longest in the world after the World Series of Poker. Past winners include Noel Furlong, Liam Flood, Colette Doherty, Neil Channing, James Mitchell, Marty Smith and Joe Beavers, just to name a few. Did you have any sense of the history of the event when you won it?
2: Absolutely, David. I mean, like, Ever since I started playing professionally, that was like the one of three tournaments you want to win. You want to win an EPT, a WSOP event, and you wanna definitely win the Irish Open as an Irish player. Like there's just three. They're, they're the three most important and to, to win the Irish Open last year was just fantastic. It was it was an incredible feeling, you know, like, especially with the home crowds, you know, you have your family can be there, which is like so rare. Usually you're travelling somewhere else, it's just you and your friends, but like just having the atmosphere of having people around you that I can share and the experience was
1: was was fantastic absolutely last year though was the first time it was a 1k buy-in do you think this was a good decision and i guess a second question uh, how do you feel like this changed the makeup of the field
2: i mean it it it, it definitely you could go either way i I think it was a good decision because like it attracted a lot more players to play than otherwise would have played like i mean you can greedily say okay we wanted a bigger buy-in with a bigger prize pool more top heavy or whatever but like it, it would have been a tougher field you know and lowering the buy-in that brought in people from all around the country it was a lot more of a home crowd which is like a great thing you obviously want a home winner and i think like seven of the nine on the final table were irish
1: yeah the previous year it, w- it was a bit of a damn squib it was a two k and a half k buy-in and it was a very small field
2: yeah yeah, they brought it down to just the level where you attract people, you know, getting in on live, 100, 100 euro satellites and whatnot, and the ones you don't get in, they still might come up for a punch, you know, because, like, it's it was just the right amount, I think, but 1K is right where the sweet spot is.
1: So you don't feel in any way the reduced buy-in level lowered the prestige of the event?
2: No, not at all, not at all. It still felt unique and a great experience. It was unfortunate they didn't have uh, the usual live stream or you know coverage final date or anything like that but i mean other like you can't complain it was it was it was perfectly well-run event and everyone seemed to enjoy themselves there was crack on the bar every night it was just a great festival all around like and i'm sure it'll be the same again this year
1: i know the tournament organizer jp mccann certainly does a great job attracting the irish locals he runs his own casino in dublin now i also know that this year there is a plan to have tv cameras in city west what do you think of his decision, though, to attach his festival to the Norwegian Poker Championships, an already huge event there in City West? I mean, that's just a
2: great, great move on their part, business-wise. You have all these Norwegians coming over, and they're in town just to play that, but they will, a lot of them will stay. And this year it's on before the Norwegians, which is a, a lot better than last year. You'll get the guys that, who will be coming over for the Norwegians, might just come a bit earlier, you know, and catch the Irish Open, because the Irish Open itself is at the tail end of the side events that are on. So, you know, the, the party poker millions and whatnot, it's just great to have all of them there together. You know, you attract just an extra few hundred players from those alone.
1: Well, finally, Dan, when we had you on the show two years ago, you talked a little bit about your science background. You have a PhD in, I think, astrophysics. Is that right? Indeed, yeah. Uh, any thoughts yet to going back into that field or has poker just been too kind to you in recent years?
2: <laughs> well, it's definitely been too kind to me. Uh, I've ran very far above what I'm surely expected to have earned at this point but uh, I, I just I don't have plans to go back into the sciences just yet but uh, we'll see how the next few years go you know I mean it seems like it's still maintaining the industry is still doing quite well you know it's quite strong there's a lot of new competition coming into the market so there's a decent chance that uh, you'll see more recreational players coming into the scene there'll just be greater prize pools again like you know I, I just don't see it Dampening down too soon. So hopefully the market keeps strong, and uh, there'll still be another few years in this industry.
1: Well, listen, I won't keep you much longer. I'm sure you're you're dying to get out there and uh and and, and mix it up with the Norwegians there in City West. Uh, all the best uh, next week as you try and go back to back. I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic festival. I'm sure
2: it will be, Dave. Thanks very much. I'm sure it's to be the first two time in a row winner will be incredible. I'm sure it's. Uh, won't be the case, but we'll try our best.
1: Next up, Darren, I'm delighted to welcome to the studio one of our great pals and fellow Unibet Poker Ambassador. He also happens to be another Irish Open champion, the 2013 winner, Ian Simpson. Okay, Ian, first question. You burst onto the poker scene in October 2009 when you won £93 in a £56 Dust Till Dawn tournament.
3: Burst onto the scene.
1: Queuing at the cage, waiting to collect your min cash that day, did you realise you were destined to have a brief career in poker? No. No clue. Not a Scooby Doo. Hadn't a clue what was about to happen. No, not a Scooby Doo. Had
3: the dream, but you know, it was. I, I always figured it was an unrealistic dream.
1: Well, it turned out to be not so unrealistic. You won the Irish Open the following year, and I think that's where Darren and I first met you. Yeah, the first
4: time I became aware of Ian um, was actually when one of my female friends screamed in horror, "Look what that idiot is doing to that poor girl!" And there you were, down on one knee proposing to your girlfriend on a live stream. Were you that convinced she'd say no if you didn't do it if you did it in private? Okay, my brother-in-law
3: had. The best quote on this. He was like, the Irish Open was up in the air, but Ian proposing was always a sure thing. He said, I could have proposed with a cheerio, and she still would have said yes.
1: And were you still going to do it, even if you came second or third? Just like wreck the heads up for the other lads and just go, oh, sorry lads,
3: this is my mound. I was going to do it wherever I finished on the final table. Uh, I'd, 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 I'd even sort of pick the spot where the cameras would catch me. But in hindsight, if I came second... You come second, exactly. How fucking awkward. I'm just like, yeah, no, this is my limelight. Get out, get out of the way. Yeah. That would be so bad. Yeah, just getting in the way of the winner's yeah. photo.
1: Yeah. It would have been good uh, good material for the videos. So it would have been a good laugh, wouldn't it? Mm. Do you think Emma was impressed with the way you did it?
3: She had no idea it was coming, which was kind of important. And how did she feel
4: about it afterwards?
1: Uh, we are married. Yeah, but... <laughs> Do you think it's because you proposed a it because it to or show?
3: despite, though? So I am on here just to be trolled.
1: No, <laughs> Emma, uh, no, no. A- Emma speci- this question <laughs> <laughs> came in from Emma. Oh, I'm really? Just yeah, yeah, this was <laughs> in, in my notes, yeah. I think she's happy. Well, look, joking aside, you have an amazing record in the Irish Open, one that we are all kind of sickened by, I think. I think Irish people collectively fairly sickened by the amount of money you took out of our community over yeah, two that's years. That's popular opinion, yeah. Yeah, that, w- that had to have been an amazing experience, though. You, you, you arrived in there as a, a qualifier, won the sole survivor the first year. That's the one. And then came back next year, went yeah. one better? Three spots better, came you fourth and first. Do you feel bad? No. Do you don't feel bad I at feel all? really good. All of our money, like Dara, you know, how many years have we played the Irish Open? Uh, we played the Irish Open I think
4: eight years and I don't think either of us have ever cashed.
1: No, nope. that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah.
3: So I've got, I've got like the collective total of all of our, you know, what would be rightful cashes all
4: ming- mingled into my handle mob. Mm. And, and in addition to draining so much money out of the Irish poker community, do you think you're not, like y- when you pretend to be Irish, which you do quite a lot, are you not just adding insult <laughs> to injury? When have I pretended to be Irish? On a recent
3: podcast appearance. Listen, 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 that was their mistake. I corrected them.
1: Okay. okay. You do wear green a lot.
3: That's because I work for Unibet.
1: Ah, I see. Uh, th- they're all about uh, the green. So but even wor- Working back in the sponsor, what a pro. Ah, I'm good, aren't I? I
4: also ran into you a few times in Vegas t- over the years t- at the World Series. Um, I'm not sure you ever actually played an event though. Uh, actually, no, sorry, there was that one time uh, I met you in the Rio. You'd come in to play, but I, I think you said you were tired that day and you went home to, b- you went back to your bed. Um, how do you maintain such a ferocious work ethic on the road?
3: Naps. Naps are good for the work ethic. If you're tired, don't play. If you, if you, if you go to the Rio, play the whatever the hell competition's on, and then you're tired, go nap. Mm. There's always
1: games in Vegas. Naps are good for the bankroll. At least 80% of your Twitter feed is pictures of you photographed napping with your cats. That's fine by me. Yeah, yeah i good th- with that. That's okay. If you've
3: ever napped with a cat, it's the most blissful experience in the world. They keep your feet warm. I get cold feet and the cats curl up on them. It's lovely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ian, look, the handful of people who follow you will notice that one of your quirks is referring <laughs> to yourself in the third person <laughs> as Eni. Don't know if anyone out there has heard of what He always calls himself Eini. This is one of the hallmarks of NPD or uh, narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, according to the Mayo Clinic, I've done my research here. People with this disorder also display arrogance, a sense of superiority, and power-seeking behaviour. Which of those three traits do you feel has helped you most at the poker table?
3: <laughs> You're right, Dick. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> You've actually just
1: just just pigeonholed me into being a narcissist. Well, you do call yourself Eni. I do because everyone called me Eni. Oh no, but you refer to yourself as Eni in the third person. It's not like a nickname that everyone else uses.
3: Well, you know what? If you want us to call me a narcissist, if you want to call me
1: arrogant, if if if, if you <laughs> want to call Eni a narcissist, if you want to <laughs> call <laughs> Eni arrogant, you you had to hold that back. I know you wanted to say that. I really did, yeah. But um, what, what were the three traits? Um... Arrogance, arrogance a sense of superiority and power seeking behavior they probably are quite good poker traits to be yeah. fair
3: well no I, I don't think arrogance is because um you really need to be able to take feedback from your peers because humans are notoriously terrible at finding their own mistakes so an arrogant people tend not to take criticism from others so i think it's really important i can't have gone down a sensible path by the way but i think it's really important to be able to take criticism from your peers to improve your game
1: okay well look to to stay on that sensible path uh that narcissism now extends to you believing that people have nothing better to do than watching you play poker when you're at home so can you talk us through your new twitch stream
3: uh yeah so i'm going to be twitching uh four times a week at least 20 hours a week and um <laughs> how the fuck do i <laughs> respond to that <laughs> Listen, listen. If you find me a little bit entertaining, then that's great, and they can come watch.
1: I find you very entertaining. Well, yeah, just you to, be, you just get to be clear, you
3: get a sick pleasure. You've actually, you've got a, a phone f- in front of you with just paragraphs of different ways to troll me on this little podcast.
1: Well, as you might remember, in three weeks ago, you fat shamed me in front of people I knew, and I pledged that moment that I was going to write at least thirty questions to grill you when you were next on the podcast, or I so next had a chance. So We're you have to question like four, right? So we I'm are. Gonna yeah, going to be this is going to be a long podcast.
4: Uh, Ian, seriously, though, you're a your player everyone loves to have at the table. Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a good job I've
4: got a sense of humor. It really is. In in Killarney last year, I got dealt a monster in the small blind uh, when you were the big blind, and it was folded around to me. Uh, you only had 20 big blinds at the time in the big blind hand, and my first thought was, I don't want to shove and just have eenie fold. My, my second thought was, it'll look even more suspicious if I'm in raise given the stacks. My third thought was, but this is Eni, so I did min-raise. Uh, could you explain to the listeners what you were thinking in the milliseconds between you looked at your garbage hand and you announced all in?
3: I do not remember this hand. What was the garbage hand? It was like Jack 4-Off or Get the fuck out of here. That never happened. I wish you wouldn't make things up, and you shouldn't min-raise. I outdrew you, didn't I?
4: Sorry? I outdrew you. No, no, right? I knocked you out. You knocked me out? I don't remember this. You've made this up. I've never been to This Kalani. was the WPT. Oh, that one? Do yeah, you have out of the, that? the one I final tabled. Oh, yeah.
3: Is that when you final tabled two at a time? Yeah. So not only yeah. have you worked in an Eni troll, you've f- worked in a thin brag of hitting two final tables simultaneously. You live. you brought it
4: up.
1: Okay. Well, I think what we've established there is that obviously, Ian you're a bit of a maniac on the table, <laughs> and, that, and no, I and mean but in a good way because you know for years and years your hallmark was that you played really loose. I remember the first time I met you, you said you got to play the street. So you know when you had to make that adjustment then from live where i think that strategy actually worked for you really well for a few years and you had to bring it to an online arena i remember you saying okay look i'm getting found out now i can't play 40 percent of hands and never fall to a three bet i have to actually knuckle down learn some fundamentals and and, and play like solid poker what was it no but sorry i don't mean to cut across you because i know i half asked a question there but that genuinely must have been a difficult adjustment coming from somebody who was obviously entertained by playing so many hands themselves.
3: It's hard to answer a question when I'm being trolled mercilessly. But yes, it is indeed a big adjustment because I would play very loose aggressive live and you can't do that online because it's so easy just to click the call button. Live, um, one of the big exploits of playing loose aggressive is that when someone's knocked out, they're out of the game. It's not like they can just double click and play another competition. Um, so the tournament life means a lot more.
1: Ian, I don't want to let you go without being nice to you a little bit and, and maybe even letting you have a proper plug. We mentioned Twitch earlier. I know it's kind of your new thing now. I think you're going to be on, what, three or four nights a week? Four nights a week at least. Four nights a week at least. You do drink copiously throughout those Twitches, so they oh are very, everyone. very entertaining. <laughs> very entertaining for, pe- for people listening here. I really do recommend tuning in. Uh, you won't learn much about poker, but you will have a great time with Ian and his sort of uh, you know, b- rock anthems from the 1970s and 80s. I, um, do, rock th- I do have a rocking playlist
4: yeah I think I, th- I think actually Eni is brilliant on uh, Twitch he's just a natural entertainer um, he's really fun to watch regardless of the poker
3: you, you do realise I don't know to balance out the mean nice range you've got to say a lot more nice things dr- through the duration of this weekend
4: to make up for this podcast. well we, we, we went into this thinking well, like, will we go good cop, good cop bad cop but well, then we decided we know we'll go bad cop worse cop yeah
1: yeah, yeah. You, you both want to troll Eni that's fine I understand yeah do you want us to say something nice before you go yeah well I'd love to but unfortunately we're out of time <laughs> We are joined now by Unibet Poker Ambassador, Espen Ullen-Jorstad. Espen, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. First of all, Espen, you found your way into poker, I guess an unusual route from Darren, my point of view, but probably a common enough route these days uh, through video games. What do you think about poker is it that would attract somebody who comes from a video game background?
5: Yeah, I don't know. I was playing a lot of video games when I was younger, like Warcraft, World of Warcraft, uh, and I think like a lot of the puzzle-solving skills that you acquire in these games are somewhat transferable to poker. Also, like the uh, ability to react and think really fast if you're playing these fast-paced strategy games can be directly transferred to multi-tabling poker online. Last summer you
4: set yourself a bankroll challenge playing exclusively on Unibet. Uh, What was the bankroll challenge again?
5: Yeah, the bankroll challenge was that I started with uh, 10,000 euros on Unibet and I gave myself five months to five double that bankroll. So my goal was to finish in five months and have 50,000 euros.
4: Yeah, I think bankroll challenges are very popular uh, online. Um, I'd like to see someone do uh, like a 100k to 10k bankroll challenge sometime.
5: (laughs) Yeah, probably, right? But yeah, I think it's like, since I'm a cash game streamer, I stream on Twitch and uh, I think it's like a good way to entertain your audience, to give them like a storyline to follow. Because like if you play tournaments, it's interesting enough to follow big scores and see like their journey through the tournament. But if you're just a cash grinder, it's kind of hard to engage the audience in the same way. So I think bankroll challenges are super nice for that.
1: Well, with the help of God mode, you successfully completed the challenge in just six weeks of 400 NL. Unibet now have 800 NL. Have you played those games yet? I have been dabbling in those,
5: but I haven't been playing too much for the last months because I've been moving and traveling and, yeah, haven't had too much time.
1: What's a bad day at those stake levels?
5: Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Five-figure downswing, I guess. Ouch.
4: Yeah, that doesn't sound nice.
1: Well, Espen, when I first met you back in December uh, with Bucharest event, we ended up on the same flight on the way to Budapest. Do you, you were living in Budapest for how long?
5: Yeah, I was living in Budapest for half a year approximately. Uh, I moved there to originally to start a beer company and um, to play poker on the side. But then I figured poker was going a little bit too well. I had a partner in that project and he was like really busy with another project over in France as well. So we decided that we would put that on ice for the time being and uh, revisit it later.
4: Yeah, when I met you first, you were explaining to me that you had this um, university qualification in brewing science.
5: Yeah, yeah. I have a food um, food science and technology bachelor and then I took a master in brewing science and technology after at the University of Copenhagen. So brewmaster, I guess, is the title.
4: Yeah, I think a lot of poker players have a lot of interest in beer, but maybe not from that aspect.
5: Yeah, no. And, uh, <laughs> and how do you enjoy the live game compared
4: to the online grind?
5: Um, it's definitely a lot more fun, I think, uh, just like the social aspect of it. Because I used to be like, when I when I was grinding online before, I thought it was like super boring until I started twitching. And now it's like not boring anymore because I can interact with chat. and, it's, But playing live games is obviously a bit more because then you interact face to face. And yeah, it's nice. I like it more. Yeah.
1: Speaking of live games, I know you're on the way after you leave the UK Brighton event here. You're on the way to the Norwegian Championships in Dublin. Darren and I are very familiar. In fact, we did a piece on them a couple of years ago.
4: I think it's one of the biggest events outside of the World Series. Um, it's, and for historical reasons, it's always been held outside of Norway because of uh, regulate, government regulations and so on. It moved, or, it moved around a few times in the early years, and then they came to City West, I think, in 2012 uh, in Dublin, and they've stayed there ever since. And yeah, it's an amazing festival. You get a couple of thousand uh, Norwegians coming over and playing poker for a couple of weeks.
5: Yeah, it's great. I've been playing that event for most years since like 2006, I guess, when I turned 18. So yeah, it's been great. It was like in uh, Nottingham the two first years and then in Riga in Latvia for a couple of years. And then it's been in CityVest for the last, yeah, many years.
1: And have you ever got a run in the main event there?
5: Nah, not really. Uh, The main event has been pretty horrendous, yeah.
1: (laughs) But the cash is amazing. Those cash games run 24 hours. They are nonstop crazy high stakes action.
5: Yeah, I haven't been doubling the high stakes games. I've mostly been playing like the one, two, maybe two five games there. But uh, they're definitely good games, and there's a lot of um, yeah, splashy drunk Norwegians.
4: Yeah, and as I said before, like I think the reason why the Norwegian used to move around was because of uh, regulations back home. But I understand the regulations have changed now, and you do have live poker back in Norway. Uh, is there is is it there like a thriving scene now, or is it just starting?
5: Uh, it's just starting, yeah, because. Um, before last year, it wasn't allowed to play live in Norway at all. You could like gamble for your house and your <laughs> whatever. You could gamble for as much as you want online, but you can play for like 10 pounds with your friends if you want it in a home game, right? So it's like pretty disproportionate. It's like, yeah, very silly regulations. But now you can play live, but you have to apply. If you don't want to apply, you can play for maximum 100 pounds per person and maximum 10 people. If you want to play bigger than that, then you have to apply and you have to pay a lot of, um, I think it's like 15% rake that goes to charity. And yeah, there are some different rules around it, so it's not like <laughs> free to play in Norway yet.
4: Okay, uh, and I have uh, some friends who work as dealers and they, they've they actually kind of worked in underground games in Norway for years. Um, uh, and they said that the cash games that were actually pretty big there. Did you ever play any of those games?
5: Yeah, (laughs) I guess I have. Um, Yeah, there have, there has always been underground games in Norway, which has been really good and sometimes really big as well. I haven't played in any of the big ones because when I was playing mostly live in Norway, that was many, many years ago.
1: And Espen, later this year, um, I think November or December, there's going to be a live um, Norwegian championship in Oslo. Will you be playing that? Yeah, I'll definitely be playing that.
5: Uh, Yeah, now they have like one in Dublin and one in Oslo. Uh, the one in Oslo actually drew more than 2,000 entrants last year. Wow. That, yeah, that's it's only open for Norwegian players. I think that's pretty huge.
1: Do they have a venue yet?
5: Uh, yeah, it's probably going to be the same place as last year. I'm going to guess it's uh, near the airport in Oslo. It's at a big hotel conference. Also. And
1: do they wreck that place as much as they wreck the City West Hotel out in Dublin? No, no, it's much more civilized than that one. I don't believe you. I don't believe this anything involving these Norwegian players could be civilized.
4: Yeah, I've seen the Norwegians. Norman Chad had a great line about the Norwegian championships once, that was which are held in the City West that there's more beer spilt on the, on, on the carpet in City West than is drunk in the entire World Series of Poker.
1: <laughs> well, on that note, thank you so much, Espen, for coming in today, and thank you, Dara, as usual. And now, with the results roundup from the online and virtual felt, he's back again. We can't get rid of him. It's the Chip Race's brand-new newsman, Ian Simpson.
3: Hello, everyone. It is my absolute pleasure to start off the Chip Race Mark 2. Uh, I'll be giving you guys the latest news from the poker world, mainly from the UK and Ireland, uh, so without further delay, let's have a look at some of the winners from the past few weeks. Um, it's been just over a week since uh, Univer crowned their first winner of this year this year's UK tour uh, in sunny Brighton, no less. Matthias Krasowski, I hope I said that right. He took home he took home 14 grand for first place prize. Renata Jack got herself second. Deborah Wally Roberts got third. Darren Adlington got fourth. Simon Houghtonsworth, one of my favourites, got fifth. Uh, Stanley Ledley, Aaron McBride and party poker's Charlie Godwin and Tim Prittis also played their parts in an engrossing final table. But in the end, Matthias uh, will be the one to outlast the 261-player field, which created a guarantee-busting £52,200 prize pool. And for that, Matthias also got a €2,000 UniWed Open package for his efforts, so we'll be seeing him in Copenhagen. Uh, last weekend, former Spurs footballer Anthony Gardner had a lovely Sunday. Uh, he won the DTD 200 to bag himself 20 grand. Not only that, but DTD were generous enough to throw in a 5,300 pound million seat for good measure. Well done, that man. Pretty good indeed. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side of the pond, Ryan Nelson LaPlante took down event one of the Goliath and planted it at Hollywood to add another 30 grand to his ever growing score of results. Uh, now, judging from my newsfeed, no one's won an Irish Open satellite this year yet. Uh, that Poxy Dara or seems to be winning them all. If I counted right, I think you got four this weekend. I could be wrong, but I think it was four. Uh, I was good with my own Sunday performance, actually. Um, I managed to bubble the Sunday entitled on Unibet. Uh, you can only play this tournament if you satellite into it. Um, which makes it quite an interesting dynamic for, uh, for a decent buy-in on a Sunday. This was won by What's Up Guys, and he got just shy of 1,500 euros, so very well done to him. I also managed to bollocks up a nice stack in UniBet Sunday final. There were five tickets guaranteed, and I missed out on one of the Copenhagen packages up for grabs. Our fellow ambassador, Espen Yorstar, managed to pick one of the five packages, and along with Ging Heluno. Ali Heta Glee, Mouron, who I remember took a big pot off me, actually. Veggie Ben, congratulations to those five winners. We'll be seeing them in Copenhagen. What else happened? Patrick Leonard managed to bank the Win the Button tournament on PokerStars, $162 buy-in. That got him three grand on Sunday. He also bagged 10 grand for fifth place in the 1K PLO. Uh, Ludovic Gaelic found himself uh, third in the current UK poker rankings. Rick Treague finds himself in twelfth. Now I was fortunate to get um, two free coaching sessions from Rick Trigg uh, which he generously donated to the uh, raffle at the Cav Cup, so I can see why Rick Trigg is doing so well at the minute. Uh, the Irish Rankings have some familiar names in the top 20, and it's really tight in the top three. Uh, Dan Wilson, James Noonan, and Toby Joyce are all within about 100 points of each other. My science enthusiast buddy, Jason Tompkins, won the Hot 44 on Saturday. That got him $7,000, so the beers are on him next week in Ireland. Uh, that got him in 16th place, just one spot behind our former newsman, Papa Davy.
1: Firstly, that was a great tournament in Brighton, uh, Ian, uh, and that tour is just what the doctor ordered for the grassroots game, I feel. Um, I met Deborah, Deborah Worley-Roberts, in the bar afterwards, and she had mixed feelings about the result. I think she had half the chips with about five left, so perhaps, understandably, her third-place finish felt a little bit disappointing. Um, That tour goes to Glasgow next from the 2nd till 4th of June. Will you be there?
2: I'll be there. I
3: can't wait to be there. It's a £220 buy-in with a 40k guarantee. Uh, hopefully we'll smash that again, because we broke the record uh, in Brighton, getting 52 grand. So it'll be very nice to, uh, to see if we can do it even better this time. Uh, the starting stack is 25k, nice and generous, 40 minute blinds, and there's one re-entry per day. There's two day ones, um, on the 2nd of June, and the 3rd of June It's day 1A and day 1B. The 2nd of June starts at 7pm, so if you are working, you can get there after work, and get your grind on after that.
1: Uh, That was also a great result for Anthony Gardner last weekend in DTD. Um, I think if you discount the cynical signings of Cristiano Ronaldo or Rafael Nadal and guys like that, it's still true that a decent number of sports people have historically done well when transitioning over to poker. Uh, Greg Mueller, Steve Davis, Ken Doherty, um, more recently, Fatima Moreo de Mello, spring to mind. What do you think is the link between, you know, sports people and and, and when they make that transition? Do you think there's any benefits that they, that they have?
3: There's definitely a a correlation there. And I guess a lot of it is just from their work ethic. I mean, they'll be used to putting that into the physical side of things, but you know, if if they pull down, starting to retire and whatnot, they'll be looking for new challenges and there's a big physical work ethic in sports anyway. So I guess just that work ethic transfers over to poker. Whoever works the hardest in poker gets the money. And these guys are used to working hard. So I guess that's part of where their success comes from.
1: Well, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, uh, finally, you mentioned Dara Davey. Uh, here at the Chip Race, I know we want to say a huge congratulations to Dara and his girlfriend, Sandra, who are now the proud parents of baby Alex. I also want to assure our listeners that if enough of them cannot understand the Geordie Brogue of our new newsman, we will ask Dara back, even if it means the news is reported to the soundtrack of baby Alex's crying. <laughs> yeah, hang on, I'm going to get fired for my accent. Potentially, Ian, potentially. I, I, at the moment, I thought you did a great job this week, so okay. definitely next week again. We'll see how it goes. Well, look, Ian, I can't let you go this time without letting you have a proper plug. Your Twitch stream is four nights a week on the Unibet channel, but also on your own channel? That's um, twitch.tv slash Check it out. <laughs> (laughs) The end game of a satellite, always a bit of a squeaky bum time if you're one of the middly stacks, always a very stressful time if you're one of the short stacks, actually quite a fun time if you're one of the big stacks, you can almost choose who you want to knock out, you can figure out which guy at the table you like the least and try and knock him out, Uh, but but joking aside, uh, it is a stressful time in the tournament, it does uh, propose some particularly ludicrous at times ICM spots uh, that you know, the poker players have to figure out and, and maybe do their best. Uh, I have with me Dara Kearney, as usual. This is our strategy corner, and, and Dara is going to go through just one of those spots and how extreme it can be.
4: Yeah, the thing about the end game of satellite is, like, the, 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 the biggest difference between a satellite and a normal tournament is that in a normal tournament, even at the death, OK, the prizes get progressively progressively higher, but the mo- most of the money is still at the top. So a lot of your strategies is, is, is about trying to come first. Uh, you know, one first is better than certain number of ninths. But in a satellite, let's say there are nine seats to a Unibet opener or whatever, then uh, ninth is the same as coming first. So when there are only 10 people left, now you have an, this incredible situation where nine out of the 10 people are going to get prizes of equal value. So all that matters is not being the
1: person to lose the poker equivalent of musical chairs. Um, so what, what is your best advice? Uh, you know, do, you, do you fold everything? Does your stack kind of play a huge part?
4: Your stack, plays, your stack definitely plays a huge part, but this, the single most important thing to realize about these situations is how, h- how tight you have to be when you're calling. Uh, if you're, if you're uh, shoving first all in or, um, or, or, or you're raising, the, strat- the strategy is, is a bit different from a normal tournament, but when somebody has already shoved all in and you're considering calling, uh, particularly for most of all your chips, then the, s- then the spot changes massively.
1: Okay, so if I'm in the big blind and you've shoved and I have let's say an average stack, and we've all got maybe it's a very flat one everyone's got similar stacks. you've gone all in I'm in the big blind you know what hands can I call with?
4: yeah that's a really good question and, and 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 this people are always surprised at how how tight this answer is and this is this is a situation which you know we we have um tools we can use to get exact solutions, but actually there's a fairly common sense um logic that you can use to to solve the situation, which is that if if there are, let's say, 10 people left and there are nine packages and everybody has roughly the same stack, well then common sense tells us that everybody's chance of getting a seat is 90% because 90% of the field are going to get packages or seats and only one person is going to miss out 10%. So if you fold in that spot after I shove, your chances, assuming you maintain an average stack, are going to be 90% going forward into the next hand. So therefore, if you call, you have to have a Think you have a better than 90% chance of winning the hand. And the reality is, you never have a better than 90% chance. Even if I have two, three off and I show you two, three off and you wake up with aces. So in that situation, you actually have a better chance of winning a seat by folding your aces rather than by calling.
1: But surely this could go on forever if everyone was playing perfect strategy. Then the first guy under the gun would shove any two cards because he's the first in, and nobody after him could call.
4: That would be the that that, that, that would be the uh, optimal solution, I'd say. But not not everybody's going to play it perfectly, so
1: the tournament would never end. The
4: tournament the tournament would end and eventually. The blinds will rise so high that the small uh. blind and the big blind will be will be forced all in. But but the reality is that you know peop- even if you know that you're supposed to fold aces. Um, not everybody else at the table will know that, and somebody else will shove, and somebody will call with aces, or maybe kings, or queens, or jacks, or, or 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 tens, and people won't realise, and 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 and, and you you'll survive that way. But we're talking about an extreme situation here, on an exact bubble where all of the stacks are level. Now that obviously is pro- is unlikely to arise in practice, but even in other situations where it's not as obvious that the ranges have to be, this tight, when you crunch the numbers. Um, it's it's surprising how tight the ranges are. Like, I, I, I did a simulation recently where there are nine people left, there are four seats, somebody shoves ten big blinds under the gun, and you also have ten big blinds, uh, and, 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 and what hands you should call with. And in, and, and in that spot, you need queens, queens, kings, or aces, even though we're still five away from the seats.
1: So even ace-king suited is not good enough?
4: Even ace-king suited is not good enough in that wow. spot. So, like, you're never going to know the exact ranges at the table, but the important thing to remember is... However tight you think the range should be when you're calling, it's probably even a lot tighter.
1: We're joined now by Jamie Berland, um, very well-known, very well-respected British pro. Uh, Jamie, we're in Brighton at the moment. We're here for the Unibet UK Tour Brighton event. Um, This is your hometown, I believe. Guys,
0: yes, uh, thank you for having me on. It is my hometown. I actually live in um, uh, Hove, really, really close. But, yeah, Brighton is a place that since coming here, uh, for university, it's been very dear to my heart. I moved here a couple of years ago. Um, really, really like it, and um, yeah, it was fantastic when a when a great competition like um, when a great couple like Unibet comes and brings a competition here. Uh, but it was very excited, and um, yeah, thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, it's it's our pleasure, um, and it's obviously been a very nice little hunting ground for you as well over the years. Uh, we're playing in the Rendezvous Casino this weekend. Uh, do you mind taking us back to that summer in 2010 where a fresh-faced, I'm imagining, uh, Jamie Burland, walked into the Rendezvous for the 1K UKIP? Um, yes, a much
0: fresher-faced Jamie Burland. in t- gosh, Was it 2010? Are you sure that's correct? It is. It is
1: Our researchers have told us to. Can I? Yes. They, yeah, they, they, the
0: they, research they, team has confirmed. So that's coming up to seven yeah. years ago. It, it, when you put it like that, that does seem an awfully long time ago to win a live poker tournament. Um, and and yeah, man, uh, the Rendezvous Casino has some great memories. Um, yeah, it was a one K buy in. Uh, it was actually season uh, season one of the guy BT, uh, and there was about two hundred players. So I effectively won a really, really high high buy in one eighty, uh, and then managed to ride the crest of that victory for about four or five years in terms of a successful poker career, and and and, and, and now. Very much try to week out as much as I as much as I can. I'm only joking. Um, but yeah, congratulations uh, to to you guys on your appointment as um, Unibet ambassador. I was extremely pleased to hear uh, 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 so, you know, such hard hardworking and dedicated poker professionals getting it. Oh my goodness, getting, goodness what is getting, going on? I have a it? present for you guys. I mean, uh, <laughs> right, right here. I, I've always thought that visual visual um, cues and presents work, work best on podcasts and radio. This is for you guys. Oh my, oh my goodness! As uh, as oh as, the, as the new ambassadors.
1: We are being handed oh. a box of Ferrero Rocher.
0: That is a reference to, I believe, the 1980s uh, ambassadors reception. I Ferreira remember Rocher.
4: it well. Yeah, I remember uh, it well. Advert, ad, ad, but yeah, enjoy
0: those because I know you guys are down here in the in the uh in, in the kind of uh, what, UniBet basement, I guess. <laughs> uh, Hit the dungeon. Dungeon, yeah. I think it's been you, referred to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, fantastic.
4: Yeah, I remember the. I actually remember the early days of the UK IPTs. I played um, the kind of the start of the first season, and then I just kind of bailed on the tour halfway through. So I think Brighton might have actually been the first one I missed. But there were a lot of like really high quality players um, playing playing the UK IPT back then. Like for example, in that tournament, Neil Channing, Liam Flood, Rapinder Bedi, Ollie Price, Sam Grafton, all cashed as well, and John Spinks made the final table.
0: It was a. Uh, it, it yeah were was quality all, all, all around actually? When I was looking, at, I remember the tournament really well, and uh, yeah, you, you would look around and it was um, you know poker heroes at the time. I actually uh, uh, busted Liam Flood, um, and yeah, a real uh, a, a real kind of legend and hero of the game. Um, and and yeah, I just, I just remember you would be at the table and kind of look behind you, and it'd be it'd be Vicky Corden, be tweeting away. Uh, uh, and, you know, I was I was in, you know involved with Neil Channing with um, Black Belt Poker at the time, so he was you know milling around, and then you, you, you know you've got to cover you, you cover half your ear because there's Sam Grafton on the next table just chatting up a chat, chatting up an absolute storm. But you know it was it it, it was a fun game. But yeah, John Spinks actually, Brighton also lives near Brighton. Made the final of that game, as you say, uh, um, and uh, and yeah, I, I think I, I catch up with John every now and then. And uh, yeah, it's still a really, really bitter bit pill for him to swallow that he, <laughs> <laughs> that he didn't even come in the top three in that tournament. So <laughs> good,
1: good stuff. Well, Jamie, you cashed seven times on that tour in, the, in in main events. It's obviously a tour that holds a lot of fun memories for you. Um, how did you feel when it was cancelled last year? Um, Gosh, I mean, yeah, it did feel like an end, a, the
0: end of an era for sure. Uh, you know, for want of a better cliche. Uh, and I—I I, I really felt. I mean, I understood that uh, the numbers had had been had been de- had been in decline um, for, for you know for whatever reason. Although I have also read your excellent blog post on the subject, uh, David. And in many ways, I, in many ways, I, 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 I agree with you. It was it was kind of a sad a sad tour to lose. Um, I definitely think there's room for a, a, a grassroots UK poker tournament to spring up in its place. And yeah, when it comes to the town that I live in, man, can't, can't, uh, can't, can't, can't miss it. I've been looking forward
4: to this for weeks. I'm pretty sure the first time I met you was in the Black Belt house in Vegas at the World Series. Um, you were probably the highest profile player that Neil Channing got in when he set up Black Belt. H- how did that come about and how was the whole experience?
0: Um, so uh, I got involved with Neil um through hi, hi, yeah black belt used to run these grading programs uh which was uh, you know uh, if, if you if you're um involved in karate or something I think grading is how you get you, you you move up the up the belt levels and um in the second grading program you know the first grading program had some fantastic players james mitchell comes to mind um and then this and, the, and then and then t- they kind of tweaked the system a little bit and i i got on board on the second grading uh with um you know for a you know, really great friend uh, people like kevin williams we we're, were in the second grading um really came up with him and um and yeah that involved a six-week program of uh, cash games sit and goes and tournaments um uh, two weeks of each and we'd have to submit our hand histories to nick Persode at the end of them and he analyzed them and at the end you know they selected uh, i think three or four players to take him to the, to take to the irish open that year um, I didn't make the top three, but I think I came a close fourth. And uh, I got a call from Neil and said, hey, man, listen, we're going to give you the deal, but you're not coming to Ireland. Uh, I, <laughs> I was really sad about that. I still have never played the Irish Open, actually. No for, way. Yeah, for, for, for oh, yeah. just seems just like, because of that. It, <laughs> it, just because of spite. I got Neil back, actually. One year I got married uh, on the Irish Open weekend. And I invited Neil to my wedding, of course. And he's an ex-Irish Open winner, of course. And he—he tells us that every time we see him, he was pretty bitter. I think to be like, "Yeah, I I can't wait to come to your wedding, and I can't believe I have to miss the Irish Open." Well, Neil, we know now that that's because you didn't take me to Ireland when uh, when you could have done.
1: Jamie, the World Series that Dara describes there, 2011, your first World Series, I believe. You actually broke uh, your your first guy. You broke your duck uh, when you cashed the main event. I think you came 525th in a 7,000 runner field. The year, P.S. Hines won the main. I think. Our friend uh, Ono D. Ono D was made on the final, final table.
4: table on November 9, yeah.
1: Yeah, what, what was that like? Um, fantastic.
0: And um, and my friend Sam Holden made the final table.
4: I remember that too, yeah. I remember talking
0: to Sam in Vegas. Yeah, so I have a funny story about this. Um, the uh, uh, Now, Sam was a UKIPT T Reg, and um, he was very much coming up in 2010, <clears throat> 2011, uh, and he was playing all the stops, and he was grinding a lot online and uh, i met him at the stops and he seemed like a great guy and um it was this it was a uk party in newcastle and i got in and me and kevin checked back in after the kind of players party or whatever and you know uh everyone's a little bit drunk and everyone's going to bed and i i, I checked facebook and i had a, a, i saw a post from sam holden who was selling um main event action uh for that summer 1.2 and at the time i was the, the plan was to get to take you know one percent of many different players so <clears throat> i uh, i messaged sam back before i went to bed and said oh you know one percent please booked i'll send on poker stars and uh and then and, and, you know, passed down and went to sleep And in the morning i i uh uh, got my phone out and logged back on Facebook and I, I saw that I, I reread Sam's message but I forgot that I'd read it and sent money and booked action the night before so I did the, I went through exactly the same process you know I said oh yeah I I'll, I'll have one percent and I I sent a, a second percentage and a couple of days later I, I'd realized what I'd done um, and my but my plan was to have one percent of many people um, you know 10 15 people you know two thousand dollars of action something like that. And uh, and so I asked. I said to Sam, "Listen, man, I'm really sorry. I made a little bit of a mistake here. Can I um, unbook that last one percent, please? Because oh no, oh yes. Um, can I unbook the last one percent? Because I, I just I just want like fifteen of you know one percent here and there." And he was like, yeah, sure, man. I'll just I'll just send back the 120 bucks. No, no problem."
4: And how much was that 120 bucks worth in the end?
0: Eight. Uh, thousand uh, dollars eight and a half
4: thousand dollars
0: for a ninth place finish yeah I think it cashed for eight hundred or nine hundred K and I, it was it was crazy man because obviously every every ladder you, you're, you're 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 loving life because you're making more money but there's that part of me that was like you know it could be twice as good it could be it should be twice as good <laughs> I mean it'd been one. if you'd have won if you'd have been the PS Hines that year that would have been an 80 or 90 thousand dollar misclick oh dear.
4: <laughs> And more recently, you've gone back into st- into the staking business with your involvement in Bearhug. Um, can you tell us more about that?
0: Yes, thank you for asking. Um, uh, yeah, Bearhug um, Poker is a company that I started with my partner, Henry Jacobson, and it's uh, a staking firm, which you guys are going to know a hell of a lot about. Um, we're also in the training and mentoring business. So the bespoke business, it's um, a small stable by design, um, and we are uh, heavily focused on the Euro sites, and we're heavily focused on the high ROI, uh, you know, low... There's uh, media buy-in, but low
1: variance. Tor- do they exist anymore?
0: Well, David, what I do is I just kind of... Uh, I just kind of pocket fives uh, and sharkscope your action, and just we just kind of follow you into the game. So you get your <laughs> That's a huge your plan, mistake.
1: So. <laughs> I assume you've had a very bad 2017. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Um, so, no, I mean... It, it, you guys know the I don't need to talk to you guys about game selection but there's a very big difference between um uh you know someone that's got a uh, it, your your expectation in in like the big 22 is way different to 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 a $22 tournament when there's like 250 uh, and 250 players and, and and in many ways it could be the difference between making it as a, 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 a make it as a profitable tournament player and not um and so you know, a lot of our work with the guys is um, is on the mental game. You know, manage, managing expectations, ma- mental game, um, sh- showing them that, yeah, uh, volume is important, but also quality of play is important. We work on uh, uh, things like, set, you know, setting up the grind optimally. It isn't just about turning up opening a laptop and playing in front of the tv anymore it's far you know far far from it we work with the guys with their setup we work with the guys uh in terms of exercise in terms of uh, uh healthy healthy eating training meditation we're really, we're really big into so yeah i mean thank you for letting me talk about the, the the company and you know if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking gosh i uh i feel like i can uh ecat a, you know 20 percent plus roi in these in these games and i fancy a bit of that sort of structure i fancy you know uh turning up on a monday evening and having a group training session i fancy that kind of structure into by grind and then you know by all means drop you know hit, hit me up on twitter i'm at jamie berland or at bear hug poker on twitter uh, or you know jamie at bearhugpoker.com with um with the details that'd be fantastic cheers guys
1: and Jamie, after two years out of the live scene, you came back last summer and cashed three times at the World Series, your best finish, I think, 33rd in event 17. Um, firstly, was there a particular reason for the break? A- a- aside from, you know, bear hug? obviously it's a time-consuming business, but, you know, I'm sure you had time to play yourself at some point. Did you want a break? And then I guess secondly, what was it like coming back? I, um, I always,
0: like, I love live poker, okay? I'm... Um Playing this off, playing this like Unibet tournament in a couple of hours. And honestly, guys, I'm chomping at the bit to get out there. Uh, uh, I, I'm i never usually, like, buying aside, just can't wait to get the chips in my hand. Uh, you can see me on the table. They've got a poker table set up here. I'm reaching over to the chip, looking to get it off. Um can't, can't wait. Can't wait to get out there. Um, the live poker, yeah, I, I kind of did take a little bit of a break for a while because um, the business takes a lot of time. To, to, go, to go to a live tournament, let's say there's a tournament in Nottingham, you've got to you've got to pretty much set, you know you've got to pretty much take three or four days, or you've got to at least be available for three or four days to play that game, and uh, and yeah, the focus just wasn't wasn't on playing live, uh, and and also you know my wife and I we had a kid, a uh, little boy in February of last year. Congratulations! Uh, well, thank you, thank you, uh, and that's um, as I'm, you know Dora is you know. Pretty, pretty hectic, and yep. and you know it has been, cha- you know, it has been really challenging to tr- to 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 still be a lot uh, an online tournament professional who's running a, a staking firm who's you know my, my my main action is my main hours of business are I guess five pm until two two am. Uh, Dora's laughing, he, he goes to six. six <laughs> <in the> morning, <laughs> two am, or two am. Yeah, that's, that's lunchtime, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but um yeah i mean i mean as you know with a young kid that's that, that that's a, that's a really challenging time to not be available as a parent and then uh, and then of course in the daytime I'm, I'm 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 doing my best but to then to then be like okay i'm going to be away for weeks at a time or a week at a time at a live tournament at the moment that that's that's kind of the main reason for for the break with vegas you know my part, my my bear hug business partner is um henry Jacobson. he's american he's based in san francisco so we have Carved out time in our calendar every, uh, you know, during the World Series to get out there. It's our face time every every, every year, and um, and it's great time. It's a great excuse to you know play some play some series events, get together, you know, strategize. Also, you know, a bit of branding at the World Series is probably a good thing. Um, and yeah, man, last summer was really really fun. It was like one of those poker sessions when um, just. Like you know, when you have like a couple of hours in a poker session where it just all goes your way, like everything you do, you know, you get it in kings against aces and just a king on the river every time.
1: Nope, no idea. <laughs> Never happens. <laughs>
0: Never happens. But some occasionally there's the two hours when you just run god mode. Well, in Vegas, a two hour, you know, two hours online is like the equivalent of like two weeks in a live game. So yeah. I just had this kind of two weeks where i was just blessed. And um, yeah, I got a thirty third. Unfortunately, I, uh, I ended up getting uh i i busted like kings against aces uh small blind versus um, button um so really really um uh, unfortunate to kind of press on because i tell you once you get in as you know you final table uh a, a series event second you got it right yeah uh Dara.
4: second or second
0: yeah yeah uh i was really that one that was really exciting but um uh, once you get a once you get a stack going in in those games, you know, and you and you were kind of in, in that ten big blind zone for such a long time in that yeah, tournament,
4: eight of eight, seven of seven, etc. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> but it's it's still it's still comfortable. It's still not you're never really feeling like you're. Um, like like you like, like you're super like you super dead so if you do, if yeah. you do get a little bit of a stack going in those series events gosh uh, it is so much fun and uh,
4: yeah it is an absolutely amazing feeling and and as you say the structure is so much different um, it's just so slow that you don't have to sort of force the pace along um, I, like I think I, I remember I ran into you maybe April or May of last year just before I went out to Vegas at, at a tournament in London. And at that stage, you weren't sure whether you were going to make it across uh, be, g- g- given the new baby. You were still optimistic. And by the time I got to Vegas, I, I didn't actually see you in Vegas, but I kept hearing about you. It seems like you're an absolute legend in Vegas. Every bar we go into, people said do you know this English guy, Jamie Burland? Every restaurant we went to, it was yeah. saying You obviously enjoy Vegas a lot. What, like, what does the future hold for you? Do you think you'll at least go across to Vegas every year or
0: um, I a, a wise a, a wise man once said to me Dara he said you know every year in Vegas there's uh, Vegas is full of people that don't realise it's their last year of being there And that was you <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah I mean who knows you never know when like life's going to change you're going to go through a different uh, you're going to go you're going to go a different way you're going to go a different path um, at the moment you know, like I said, it's a great it's a great opportunity for some face time with my partner. Uh, and this year, you know, we're taking a couple of the guys out there. Oh wow. yeah, yeah. Uh, the guys have been um, uh, a, a, a couple of the guys opt- opted in after last summer to uh, 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 you know put a percentage of the profit that they've made in that off their stake towards a Vegas package. So yeah, like you say, man, I'm a little bit uh, a little bit connected in that town. I know what I'm doing uh, in, in terms of uh, nightlife. I've learned from great people like Jesse May and Neil Channing. Who, and by the way this is this is the this is the num- number one and number two tips about just getting some value out of Vegas okay get off the strip okay you need to get yourself in a taxi and you need to ask them where the locals in Las Vegas go out uh, eating and go and, and, and go drinking and that's where you're gonna have the best time man if you go to these clubs like I don't even I I haven't been to a club in Las Vegas but one of these strip clubs is <laughs> one of these clubs on the strip it's an <laughs> important distinction there very important distinction neither I haven't been to either since about I don't know 2010, 2011 because there's no value you're going to do like $500 just to kind of be shown to a table and then to be part of this cattle ranch or you could take 50 bucks go downtown and have an absolute whale of a time
1: well, i hate for this to be my last question and we don't want to keep you too long here but uh, you mentioned there earlier that your 33rd place finish last summer uh, ended with a king's aces setup now quite famously you had another king's aces setup i think a few years previously
0: i will never be able to forget this one so i um yeah i busted the main event of the world series of poker uh in i think 2013 or it might have been 2014 in le- within level one, in level one.
4: Yeah, I remember. I remember being told that, and then going on Twitter to check and said this. This can't possibly be true. Jamie Burling cannot have busted this tournament in level one.
0: And, and I think it's fair to say that I had at the time a reasonably tight image. Like it's not like it's not as if I was this guy that was kind of giving away chips.
4: Yeah, if it was Kevin Williams, you'd be- you would have believed us.
0: Absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, and um, and um, this, this is how it went down, you guys. I, I sat at the table, and um, and. God, man! When it's just the most exciting thing to sit down at the main event of the World Series of Poker, they they hype it up. Everyone is just having the best day of their life. It really is. Uh, if you have got the uh, means, I and you love poker, I can't get remember. to the story. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, I sit down and on my table, uh, you know, Liv Baris on the table. Okay, so she's in the hand, uh, 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 and there's a couple, you know, a couple of other players. And here's here's how the action goes down. It goes a um, uh, limp under the gun. Uh, live limps uh, I've got pocket Kings in the calf and I make it 500 it's it's a uh, 50 and a hundred uh, big blinds we start with a 30k stack okay the two the two blinds call my 500 the limper calls 500 and uh and, and live calls 500 and so the two and a half thousand in there it comes ace king five rainbow and the uh, the the blinds check the guy under the gun who'd limp who'd limp called he bets a thousand. Uh, and live folds or live calls actually and I make it 3,000 now the small blind makes it 10k Uh, I think my only option here is to call I mean I don't think there's any value in doing anything else I still kind of feel like that's the correct move at this stage
4: yeah even if it starts to feel like a set over set you have to assume you you have the bigger set yeah exactly
0: exactly that's that 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 can also be happening as well so the turn's interesting and this is where this is where it kind of divides the pros that i've spoke to um not not down the middle but people say that uh, i can take different action on the turn the turn is a five so it's now uh ace king five five and uh, that's obviously not that, me, uh, not that great a card for me because of the idea that I think a lot of the time people might take the option with the set of fives which is pulled ahead and I'm thinking. And now he bets another 10k, just an even 10k out of the 30. And uh, I, mean, I think stack I stacked are about 30k. We were a couple of hours in. It's not like I busted hand one. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I lasted a couple of hands. But uh, he bets another 10k. And at this point, uh, you know, Kings 4, I, I ended up calling... Easy fold, I think. <laughs> yeah, Still yeah well, you're big,
4: such a coward, David. We've got
0: a hundred big blinds behind here, so I mean, anyway, the river's a, a, a total brick, like you know, eight, eight or something, and he and he, and he sets me in, and I kind of think for a while, and yeah, we're 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 losing to two, we're, two, we're losing to two hands here.
4: It's an unlikely seed to be slow playing the aces. There, really? somebody else in the hand is more likely to have aces. Really unlikely.
0: Um... But I, and I, so I actually think I'm more worried about I think I'm actually more worried about quads there but I did I you know I did I did call it off uh, live I think declared before the hands were f- um, turned over she said I think he's got ace full so she knew what was going on uh, <laughs> and and it man it was so strange I you know I, I busted and it was it was like five minutes before the first break and I'll never forget this this feeling of Walking through the corridors, and every single other person in, in it, it felt like the whole Rio is just in this euphoric kind of state of, <laughs> I, I, we're, on, we're on the first break of the main event of the World yeah. Series Poker. What happened? You know, what hands did you, you know? Everyone's just like, high-fiving each other, sorry for my language, there, but everyone's just like, having the best time ever, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, going, going through their break routines that they've been thinking of for their whole lives, you know.
4: <laughs> it, is, it, it, is, it, it is a horrible lot. like, I always feel like that, after you bust the, the, the main event, it's almost like the Walk of Shame, because the, the way the Rio is set up, you have to walk almost a mile to get out of the hotel, through all the corridors with all these other happy players.
1: Uh, People still arriving just to start playing the main, I'd say Phil too. Hel- Phil Helmy's still in Caesars,
0: <laughs> like, put, putting on his outfit, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and uh yeah it was just it was just, and i i must have been it must be been a form of shell shock because i went and um i I, went, I ended up registering the daily deep stack that day oh my god just the to punish 2- yourself da,
4: darrow david that one year the year he he busted the main event the first year he played he went to play the daily deep stack and i just couldn't get my head around that
0: wow. I, yeah i, tw- I tw- the same day i tweeted a ticket and i was in my seat Thankfully, you know, you guys, just to finish the story, I had the best, I think one of my best nights in, in Vegas stroke life that, that evening, I, I ended up going downtown with a couple of, with such the perfect lineup. It was people like Owen Robinson, uh, John Crew, Esperance, Surely. you know, these are real kind of uh, 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 great guys to kind of lift lift spirits du- during um uh you know period when otherwise you you gosh i don't know i I would have run out of daily deep stacks to play i think
1: (laughs) (laughs) well look on that and i feel bad for that being the end but look we're going to crack open this for our box i can't make you relive that story without giving you some chocolate oh thank you so much yeah yeah you're really spoiling me as some of our listeners might know my co-host Dara is a bit of a music file a few weeks ago i asked him to find me a good song for our first episode back and well all i can say is he outdid himself Playing us out tonight is an artist who needs absolutely no introduction from an unreleased experimental album. This is We'll Creep Together.
4: I, under the bloodless chrome stars, we'll creep together. We'll creep together. We'll creep together. We'll creep together.
0: We'll creep together. You and
5: I We creep together You and I
4: Under
3: a bloodless
4: chrome sky
3: Friends, you and I, we'll be small together. We'll be small together. We'll be small together, you and I.
4: We'll end together. You and
3: I will end together.
1: the poker community lost a dear friend and its most colourful personality. Derek Cavanaugh was an inspiration to all who were fortunate to know him, and since his passing, tributes befitting his extraordinary life have flooded in. Derek, you were good friends with Cav.
4: I was indeed. I was trying to think when I got friendly with Derek, um, and I actually couldn't place it. He, he he was one of those guys that you went from not knowing at all to suddenly being very friendly with, and seemed to be no nothing in between. Um, he was a guy I met a lot at tournaments, always a really friendly face. He was the kind of guy that just cheered up everybody that was around him. It was impossible to get tilted in his presence. He had an incredibly positive attitude to life and poker and everything he did. And it was really sad to see him struggle for the last year or more with with with, with his cancer. But it was also inspiring the way he um he responded to it. Um he responded to it differently from everybody else i I ever knew with terminal cancer he um he was really upbeat he was he was always making jokes about his um mobility scooter and his trips in and out of the hospice um so he basically approached it the way he did he approached everything
1: well, look from everyone here at the chip race our our deepest sympathies go out to Derek's family and friends before we go. Dara and I want to say a big thank you to all the people at UniBed and 23D Productions for getting us back on the air. We're grateful for the opportunity and promise to do our best not to sully the memory of those original seven episodes. Thanks to Jamie, Espen, Dan, and Dan of course Ian for being a good sport. We'll be back next week for a show that includes interviews with John Spinks, Diva Baltic Blonde Byrne and Poker Night in America producer Todd Anderson. Until then, from Dara, Ian and myself, good night and good luck. <laughs>